0: Well, good morning, so glad that you're here for this Super Sunday, whether you're here in person or whether you're here online, either way, you honor us with your presence. It's great to have you. So I guess it was a week, maybe two ago, that Suzanne said, um, Ken, I think we have a problem. And so I came down, and she'd been sort of underneath in the in the cabinets, and she'd found some wet stuff. And so we're going around, and and... Within a few hours, Blackman Mooring was at our house and they're taking out, I mean, they're hacking into down to the beams and they're carrying out our cabinets and, and one thing and another because it turns out our uh, new kitchen aid had a faulty something and had been leaking a little while for more than a year. And so you do that for a while and you start to get problems and so... Uh, within several hours, they had pretty much emptied our kitchen out and made it unusable, put the plastic up everywhere, and left us in the good care of those uh, 11 loud dehumidifying machines as they drove off. And so at that point, I decided, well, I guess I better call the insurance company. So I called the insurance company, and I said, hey... We got a little problem, and um, before I got too far in, the lady said, oh, Mr. Worland, I'm so sorry that you're having this inconvenience. I know that must be very uh, frustrating. Yes, ma'am, it is. She said, well, why don't you tell me all about it, and then I can tell you whether you're covered or not by the policy. Well, at that point, not only did I feel a little discombobulated because of the kitchen, but now I'm feeling some anxiety because really what I thought she was going to say is, yes, yeah, seeing as you've paid several thousand dollars for, oh, I don't know, 20 years, of course you're covered. Now why don't you tell me what's going on? That's not what she did. So I could feel this little tension rising. I was like, what? This might not be covered. It is. But in that moment, I was feeling a little anxious, and I was reminded how consistently it is that God always seems to see fit to allow the preacher to get to live his sermon or her sermon before the preacher gets to preach it. And uh, because it's true, I had been thinking, well, I want to spend a Sunday just talking about anxiety and stress and worry and those sorts of things because I think they're taking a toll on a lot of people. And so that's um, how we get into the subject of the day, this subject of worry and anxiety. It comes from, Worry, the word worry in English comes from the German word worgen, which means to strangle or to choke. And that's what it does in our lives. It just comes and it starts to strangle us and to choke us and to bring stress into our lives, right? And so... One, uh, I guess twice this week, I was talking to uh, two guys and said, you know, I'm I'm in the oil industry. I said, I know that you are. and said, I'm I'm really a little concerned about what the new administration is going to do with the oil industry. It's like, yeah, I, I hear you. Another person says, well, what if they restructure? What if I end up without a job? That would be a problem. Yes, I see. That would be a problem. Another person says, you know, what if the lump the doctor said I have is cancer. What if the cancer has spread? What if it has spread like a whole lot? What about my parents? They're aging now. What if they get COVID? When are they going to get the vaccine? For that matter, when am I going to get the vaccine? How do you get the vaccine? Anyway, that's something I've been trying to figure out. Another person says, what if my child really has learning disabilities? What are we going to do about that? How are we going to afford the tutoring and the extra stuff that that person is going to need? And and so you can just go on and on and on. Just I need to work out. But my gym, my gym got closed down during COVID, you know. And so, I, you know, There's just all these problems, and before long, we got a lot of stuff that's just going along in our minds and our hearts, and the problem with all of us is that we're we're trying to manage this, this worry, and we're trying to keep it all under control as we're going through life, as if we could sail along the surface like a nice, graceful swan. But the truth is most of us look like uncoordinated swans. And that's why I think we need to talk about this because the good news is the Bible gives us a better way. See, worry is nothing new. It's been going on for forever. In fact, I think of the apostle Paul Who's going to teach us today? I'm going to pull off from our Ephesians series. We'll come back next week. But today I want to go to Philippians in chapter 4. And Paul is writing these words from prison. you got to remember, what's the background of Paul? Paul had been church hostile, Christian hostile. He had been out to kill the Christians, but then God got a hold of him. He converts, has this powerful conversion, becomes this, this fabulous, gifted missionary, evangelist, church planter, all around the Mediterranean region he's starting these churches and he would have these letters that he would write to them so we can read the letter that he wrote to Ephesus or read the letter that he wrote to Philippi and that's what I want to do today but he tells us at one point look you think you got it bad I've had it probably worse five times I've received the 39 lashings yeah why'd you do that because I love Jesus and preach about Jesus and they don't like him. Three times I've been beaten with rods. I've been left half dead. I've been thirsty. I've been hungry. We gather from Galatians 4:15 that he was probably half blind. He's been left cold with not enough warm clothing. I mean, he had plenty about to be stressed over. And yet, when you read what he writes to the Philippians, I'm always intrigued with how he writes as if he's just on vacation. And I marvel at it and come back to it over and over because I'm like, I want to have what Paul had. Let's look at what he wrote to those Philippians in chapter four, starting in verse four, some of the favorite verses of this whole book. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to all people because the Lord is at hand Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer with supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is of any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think on these things now again paul is writing from prison if you and i were writing from prison won't speak for you but i'll speak for me i'd probably not be writing rejoice in the lord always i'd probably be writing help get me out of here because i didn't do anything And yet he's so tranquil and he's so peaceful. How can he be that? How can he have this posture where he's just joyful, filled with the Lord and all of this sort of stuff? I think it has to do a lot with what he writes in verse 5. He says, let all people know your reasonableness. Uh, How can you be reasonable? See, the problem that we have when when stress, when anxious times uh, come to us, we tend to tense up and we get all knotted up, and, and, and we start to get into that fight or flight you know, mindset, and many times it's in that posture, we're gonna say something that we're gonna regret, we're gonna do something that we wish we hadn't done, and he says, yeah, see, you gotta, you gotta teach yourself a different way. Your instincts break, break the wrong direction. When that stuff comes, you've gotta let all people know your reasonableness. Well, how do I stay reasonable? Paul, because I want to do that. He says, because the Lord is at hand. What's he meaning by that? He's meaning the Lord is right here. Have you forgotten who you are and whose you are? you're, You're not by yourself. You might feel like you're by yourself, but you're not by yourself. He's right here with you. In fact, in Ephesians 2, he tells us, Look, if you've been saved by Christ, if you've put your trust in Christ, you're seated with him in the heavenlies. Yeah, but I'm down here. Yes, but you're also seated with him in the heavenlies. You have dual citizenship, he'll tell us in another place. He says you have to learn how to go through life down here, remembering I'm already up there. That's where I'm headed. I'm just passing through down here for however much I get uh, in years on this side. But I'm seated with him in the heavenlies, and if we could remember that, the Lord is at hand. He's right here with me. I'm right here with him. Then we can learn not to get all angsted up, but to learn to be reasonable. Um, America fell in love with this picture back in the day of John F. Kennedy being our president. It's his son, of course, who's uh, there at the desk of the president Um, in the Oval Office. And it's easy to see why everybody loved this picture because here seated next to the most powerful man in the world is a son. He's not worried about anything. He's not anxious about anything. He's not trying to run the world. Why? Because dad takes care of that. He's just feeling peaceful. That's a good posture for us as we're going through our own life, when we're going through our own stress To remember, you know what? He was here before I was here. He'll be here after I was here. He was here before the foundations of the world. He was here before my problem came along. He already knows how this is going to go. So why don't I just take a breath and remember he is with me. Which leads really to the first thing that I want you to remember about this sermon. And that is, in one word, the word relax. We're going to have to learn how to Relax. Say the word relax. All right, Next up, I want you to do something. When you're, when you're saying the word relax, I want you to touch your shoulders like this and just go, relax. All right, ready? Relax, okay, so when a stressful situation or an anxious uh, situation uh, starts uh, to come our direction, what are we gonna do? Relax, okay, it feels counterintuitive, but Paul's saying no, that's the only way that you're ever gonna be reasonable. To remember the Lord is at hand. Now, what does he go on to to say? He says, now, there's a second thing that I want you to realize, and it's going to come in verse six. He's gonna say, "Um, I want you to be anxious about nothing. No thing. But I got so many things, Lord. how how, How can I be anxious about no thing? That's a little bit of a challenge right now, God. He's like, no, I want you to be anxious about nothing because, see, you you are trying to control all of these things, but you you can't do it. I'm the only one who can really control these things. You can't control them. And so I want you to be anxious about nothing, which leads um, to uh, the contrast. So what do I do? I want you to be anxious about nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I want you to let your requests be made known to God. That's what I want you to do, is I want you to actually pray about these things. That's what I want you to be doing. Is praying. So this past week I woke up and I guess it was Wednesday morning. I was feeling a little bit stressed, a little bit downcast. And I was thinking how the psalmist said to himself, Why are you downcast all oh, my soul? Sometimes we have to talk to ourselves. Why am I downcast? Why are you downcast all oh, your soul? Well, my soul started talking back to me and said, well, you're downcast because your kitchen is gone and your house feels very discombobulated uh, right now. Yes, I guess that's a, what else? Well, my soul said, well, you're kind of angsted up about this meeting that you have to have today. That's true. I am. And you just found out that you have two board meetings from two different organizations on the same day. And you've gotten kind of effective at doing two Zoom meetings at the same time, but that's very stressful. You can't do it for a whole day. And these are both all day meetings. They'll figure you out. And so I'm going through and I'm just listing out all of these things and realizing, yeah, this is why I'm all angsted up. But... What I did is I took all of those anxieties and I said, now, Lord, I'm going to release these to you. You say in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So, Lord, I'm just going to give all of these things to you. I've got to have your help if I'm going to prevail over this anxiety that I'm feeling right now. We have to come to a point where we release these things because we can't manage them we can't control them that's why he says I'm right here remember yes we're going to relax and the second thing we're going to do is release that's their second word okay we're going to make this sermon portable I want you to be able to preach it to the workplace tomorrow seriously you're going to know the sermon by the time we're done say the word relax relax and do the hands here we go relax second word Release, okay? Release. What are we releasing? We're releasing our anxieties. Who are we releasing to? We're releasing them to him. He says, cast them to me. So say, I'm I'm gonna give this to you, Lord. I'm gonna release this to you now. And then he says, if you will do that, I'll tell you what'll happen. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's a great verse. That word guard is a word, it's a military term uh, in the original language. It means garrison, to stand garrison around you. And so what he's saying is like a troop of soldiers coming in. God sends his his, his army of angels to bring you peace surrounding you. And they come around you and say, now, we're here to give you that peace. Now, I think probably many of you have had moments, maybe you were all in a retreat one time, or maybe you were in a worship service or a prayer service or something, or maybe someone was praying for you and you were just like, man, I just, I don't know what's happening, but I just feel so, I just feel so peaceful. I just feel so calm. It's not like anything you know, that I was worried about is gone. It's still out there. It's just that it's not so big anymore. Yeah, because see, that's what happens when we begin to pray and we begin to release these things to the Lord, we begin to feel his peace that surpasses all understanding, guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing, you won't experience that unless you receive it. Say the word receive, receive. Put your hands out like this, receive. So what's the sermon? First, we're going to relax, release, receive. Okay, so we're going to relax. Why are we going to relax? Because we'll never be reasonable if we're not relaxed. And plus, the Lord is right here. What are we going to release? We're going to release our anxieties, and we're going to give them over to the Lord in prayer. We're going to surrender them over to him because he can actually do something about them, and we usually can't. And then... We're going to experience that peace and we're going to receive that peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as those troops come around us, surrounding us, fortifying us, and protecting us. Now, it's right about here in my devotional life, and I bet in yours too, that it can become tempting. We're like, okay, I'm in a good place now, Lord. Thanks for this time. I needed this time this morning. Now I feel fortified. I feel ready. I feel peaceful, ready for the day. I take on the stuff. And um, But then, if we're not careful, this is where we really blow it um, and, and sort of goof the whole thing up because we, we get up from you know our devotional time or our prayer time or prayer chair or whatever you do, wherever you do your thing, And you start getting dressed and maybe you turn on TV and you watch the news, you watch cable news and, you know, or you drive along to work and you're listening to conservative talk radio and those things can really get you angsted up too as you're, as you're going along. Um, or you just get on social and you're just, you're, you're, you're looking at your social and you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and, and within minutes you can get yourself all angsted up again. And, and and essentially what we're doing is we we, we we had such a good sermon. It was relax, release, receive. But this is the wrong ending. Okay, thanks for that time, Lord. <laughs> that sermon would be, that sermon would be relax, release, receive, fumble. But that's not the sermon, okay? That that we can't do that. That's not what he calls us to do. Now, he's going to say, I want you to refocus. You have to refocus. See, if you're going to keep that peace that surpasses all understanding, when you go on into today, your you're going to have to refocus. How do we refocus? Well, he's going to tell us in verse eight, he's going to say, you know, the, what you're going to have to do is come to a point where you're Focusing, where you're putting your mind, you're fixing your mind on things that are true, on things that are right, on things that are honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and worthy of praise. Any of those, that we've got to put our minds on the good stuff. Because left to our own devices, what we put our minds on, we'll always put our minds on the negative stuff, on the bad stuff, on the foul stuff, on the ignoble stuff, on the rude stuff. Because let's face it, that's the stuff that drives ratings up and baits us. And we're like, really? Did he say that? Really, is that what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. And, and, and that's where we have to say, no, 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 no. no. That's not the sermon. The sermon is relax, release. Receive, refocus, okay, say the word refocus, refocus. Let's practice the whole sermon, all right? Relax, release, receive, refocus. Say it one more time. Relax, release, receive, refocus, huh, relax. Okay, so, (laughs) all right, so now what are we gonna focus on? We're gonna put our stuff, our minds on the good stuff. That means probably we're gonna need to watch a little less uh, TV, probably watch a little less news, probably look at your social a lot less, uh, probably listen to less stuff on the radio that's not edifying, because what has your mind has you. Max Lucado writes, um, you are in the control tower of your mind, you're giving permission to any plane that lands in your mind, it landed because you gave it access. But if you're out there saying no landing, then those thoughts can't land. They have to fly somewhere else. And you know the best way to keep them from landing? You fill those runways with other things. You put in your mind the good stuff, the right stuff, the true stuff, the Philippians 4, 8 sort of stuff, spending more time in his word, more time on prayer Uh, These are the things that keep us sustained in going along and to a great extent, greater than maybe ever. We're having to discipline ourselves, believers. We're having to discipline ourselves to say, you know what? I have enough news. I've got basically all the leads for the day. And maybe I'll check back this evening, but that's enough stuff. I don't need any more commentary. I don't need that. And it reminds me of the story I've told you before that I love from from uh, Greek mythology of... Um, Uh, the great Odysseus and how Odysseus was well, really uh, all the sailors had this problem and they would all be sailing uh, along and they would hear the song of the sirens. You remember how the sirens were those three bird women on the cliffs and they would sing so beautifully. And so the sailors would divert and they would take their boats towards the beautiful songs of the sirens because they thought, well, they must be beautiful as their voices are, but they were not beautiful at all. They were wicked, they were savages. And so, predictably, the ships would go in and they would crash on the jagged rocks of those cliffs and those uh, savages, uh, the sirens would come and kill the sailors and plunder their goods. Uh, But you have um, Odysseus, who has a strategy. He's like, no, we're going to sail through. And what he does is he puts beeswax into the ears of all of his crewmen so that when they got to the siren songs, they wouldn't be able to hear it. They would just keep sailing forward. And then he has them strap him up, tie him up, bind him up to the mast of the boat so that he couldn't tell them to, to divert. Well, they're going along and he can hear because he didn't put the beeswax in and this is a problem because now he does want to go towards them and he's begging and crying for them to, to turn, to turn, but they won't turn. No, we're going through. We can't hear it. We can't hear it. We can't hear it. And they get him through and finally they can tell from the countenance of his face he can't hear it anymore, at which point they could take their own wax out of the ears. That's A pretty good word picture for what many of us need to be doing if we're going to get through our lives handling the anxieties and the stress and the worries of our lives. Relaxing, releasing, receiving, refocusing. We're going to have to put some stuff out or else we won't stay refocused and we'll get right back where we started. And that's the problem. And we'll keep doing the same cycle. You remember there was also one other in mythology who made it through, and that was Orpheus. And Orpheus had the most beautiful singing voice of all. They said when Orpheus would sing, all time would stand still, and everybody wanted to hear the songs of Orpheus. And so Orpheus is leading his crew um, as they approach in the waters the songs of the sirens. He doesn't use the beeswax for them. When the siren songs begin to sing, Orpheus sang louder. And all that they could hear was the voice of Orpheus. And lesser songs didn't matter then. And what I particularly love about the story of Orpheus is that it actually ties in then to early Christian history. You remember in early Christian history for the first several centuries, the Christians were the persecuted Christians. We weren't born, Christianity wasn't born uh, as a majority religion. That's a luxury that we've enjoyed in this uh, country for several hundred years it does seem to be changing now and has changed on us but that shouldn't alarm us terribly because Christianity was born into far Worse, the Christians were persecuted, were tortured, were fed to the lions in the Colosseum, were beheaded, uh, you know, and and, and, and and burned at the stake. All these sorts of terrible things that would happen to the Christians for those first several centuries. And so what they would do to, to be able to continue to meet together is they would meet in the catacombs underground where they would have their little quiet worship services and be unknown and hope to maybe live for another week. And there was no guarantees But there on the carvings of those um, catacombs, the archaeologists have found drawings. Drawings of Jesus who was holding the harp of Orpheus. You're like, what does that mean? What it meant was the Christians were reminding themselves This life is hard. It is stressful. We may be dead by next Sunday. We may not be back here in worship together because this world is against us. But it doesn't matter because we know the one who came to live the life that we could not live of sinlessness to die the death of punishment for our sake as our substitute so that we didn't have to die in our sin and then to conquer the grave on the third day so that we could have the assurance of life everlasting and abundant here and now. And what those renderings were reminding them is Jesus was singing to them and reminding them, listen only to me, Jesus was saying, Listen to my voice. Don't listen to those voices. Listen to my word. Don't listen to those words. Keep your hearts and your minds and your ears focused on me, and I will lead you through victoriously. I think that's a good word for us. If we're going to be victorious in our uh, struggles with anxiety, we're going to have to learn how to refocus as well which means putting some things out so that we can stay on track. So somebody asks you tomorrow at work, well, you went to church, huh? So what was the sermon about? You can say it was actually about anxiety. and How do we overcome it? You'll say, well first, you have to, say it with me, relax, then you gotta release. Then you gotta receive that peace. You gotta refocus. And that's how we sail through. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for the um, opportunity to gather on this day, a fun day, super Sunday, to remember uh, what for some of us is a favorite passage in the whole Bible. It's a passage that's particularly relevant and helpful for any of us, all of us right now, where it seems like anxieties are spiking higher than ever, and there's uncertainty is uncertainty about what's gonna be the future and where are we going and what's it going to do to our industry and what's it going to do to our economy and what's it going to do to our freedoms and and our uh, rights and uh, all sorts of things that can get us spinning very, very quickly and feeling like it's all coming unglued. Thanks God for the reminder, we're not the first people to feel those things, that the Christians felt that several thousand years ago. In fact, they felt it even more and worse than we have yet had to feel it. And yet, that's how you used them. You took those few believers and you turned several hundred into several thousand and several thousand and tens of thousands and then to hundreds of thousands and eventually to millions because there was something so compelling, something so amazing and attractive about those Christians who were able to keep their eyes and their minds and their hearts focused on you, come hell or high water. Lord, help us to be those kind of people, those kind of Christians who are practicing what Paul was preaching as he wrote from that prison cell in Romans, not knowing what was going to happen to him when he would get killed for his faith. Lord, help us to seize an opportunity, even this afternoon, even tomorrow, to share a bit of this hope that we have. The reason for that hope to a friend that we work with or someone that we go to school with that they might be dislodged from uh, the the jam that they're in mentally and realize there is more and there is better and it can come for you as well through Jesus. Lord, won't you take these words and seal them into our hearts and minds that we would be fortified to journey with you faithfully all of our days. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.